We heard the Apostle Paul encourage us today, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Amen. My dear Christian friends, Simeon's aged eyes did not look forward to death. No, they looked forward to life. The Holy Spirit himself had told him, Simeon, you will not die until you see the Lord's Christ. And so Simeon waited. He waited for the coming of the Christ. In the synagogue, he heard the Lord's promises so often that he knew them by heart. He knew the promise of the Messiah, the son of Adam and Eve that would be born to crush the serpent's head, though the serpent would strike his heel. He knew the promise that the Messiah would be David's son, and yet he would be greater than David, sitting on his throne, and it would be an eternal kingdom. He knew the promise from the prophet Isaiah that the Messiah would be stricken, smitten, and afflicted, and by his wounds we are healed. And he also knew the promise that those living in the land of darkness, a light would dawn upon them. And Simeon waited. He saw his friends getting older, getting married, having children, and dying, and Simeon waited. He saw the brokenness of the world, the weeping women, the poverty-stricken children, the evil men. They were all living in darkness. They needed a light. He needed a light, and he waited. He saw the seasons come and go, the crops being planted, the rains coming down, and the crops being harvested. Harvested, And through it all, the word of the Lord remained, declaring that what he saw with his own eyes was true. They needed salvation. They needed redemption. They needed deliverance. And he waited. And then the Holy Spirit said to him one day, Today, go to the temple. And so Simeon got up and he went and he saw the milling crowds of people. Fathers, mothers, children, old men, old women. He saw Anna. He knew her well there. And then he saw them. That family, the holy family, holding that infant still squirming uncomfortably from the circumcision. That was him. That was the one that Simeon had been waiting for. He pushed his way through the crowd to Mary and Joseph. He introduced himself. He asked for permission to hold the child. And then he held the child in his arms, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and then he said words so beautiful. They are like a song. Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace according to your word because my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Then he handed the child back to his mother and he looked Mary in the eyes and said, listen carefully. This child is appointed for the falling and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon then walked away rejoicing 
Simeon was waiting for the comfort of Israel, and it had arrived. And he is telling everyone he meets, the wait is over, the Christ has been born, salvation has come to us, the light has dawned, the wait is over. The wait is over. Waiting. That's not something that we usually see as being a good thing, is it? Wait. It's often a four-letter word for us. We are forced to wait in the checkout lines, to wait in the doctor's office, to wait for the repairman to come over to the house. We don't even wait long enough for the popcorn in the microwave to be done. How can we be expected to wait? And yet, Advent forces us to wait. While our American culture is physically, emotionally, monetarily spent by the time December 25th rolls around, we are just getting ready to celebrate Christmas at that time. Waiting encourages us to slow down, to notice what is going on around us, to look forward, to look backward. Waiting gives us the opportunity for conversation and meditation in, that we would not usually have in our busy and hectic lives. But then, when the waiting is over, it is time to rejoice. It is a time for jubilation. When we finally reach the front of the line, when our name is called in the doctor's office, when the doorbell rings, when the microwave popcorn is finally done. We have ripped into our Christmas presents. We have visited with our family. We have sung our Christmas carols. And now our waiting is over. Not because we've celebrated Christmas, but because the word made flesh has come to us. And Simeon is the perfect man to be talking about on the Sunday after Christmas because he is the quintessential Advent man. He was waiting for the coming of the Savior. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel, which means the release and the redemption of Israel. Simeon had somehow been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Think about it, that doctors will tell a terminally ill man that he only has a short time to live before he dies. And yet, here was the Holy Spirit telling Simeon that he wasn't going to die. He was going to keep on living until he saw the promised one. This wasn't a death sentence, it was a life sentence. You can imagine that every day, Simeon waking up and asking is today the day that when he goes to the temple, he looks into everyone's face and asking, is this the one? Simeon is a man who is wide eyes, on tiptoes, waiting for the one to come to save Israel. He is searching all the crowd. His eyes are open, arms extended, looking into every face and hoping that that face is the face of the Messiah. We can learn a lot from Simeon because you've noticed how short-sighted we all are. We are no better than our children. I want it now. Waiting, 
patience, thinking ahead. Those are learned behaviors. Those are skills that need to be taught. It is easy for us to live in the here and now to indulge our sinful natures, to gratify the cravings of our, na- of our natural selves. Drugs and alcohol addictions. Infants born out of wedlock. Credit card debts, those all seem to just happen to people. But they happen to people because they cannot defer gratification to a later time. It is said that patience is a virtue. And if that's true, then impatience is a sin. And we are by nature impatient people. We experience road rage because we are impatient in traffic. We, are, we, we covet what others have because we are impatient on earning those things on our own. We stand fuming in the chuckle on because we are impatient for the clerk to finish with the people who are in front of us. We blow up at our children because we are impatient for their presence in front of us. And then impatience leads us to a whole host of other sins. Angry outbursts, foul language, premarital sex, addictive behaviors, financial debt, and so much more. Impatience, can be said, is our default setting. And yet, patience ought to be the way of life for the Christian. But sadly, it's not. And that's why the Apostle Paul, in our second reading today according to our sanctification, is encouraging us as God's elect, holy and loved, clothe yourselves with heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We need to be taught to be patient. And the best way for God to teach us patience is, wait for it, is to wait Waiting is not a weakness. It comes from a serene confidence that God will keep all of his promises. It comes from that serene confidence that God knows our past and he promises us a better future. It is a serene confidence. It is a peace of knowing that God works everything out for our eternal benefit and that he will keep us in the faith until the end. What joy must have filled Simeon's soul when he saw the Holy Family. His heart must have skipped a beat when he saw Mary and Joseph walking into the temple with their son. There he was in Solomon's temple as we heard about in that first reading. A temple built for the Ark of the Covenant and now he sees Mary. Symbolically, the Ark of the Covenant carrying with her the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord in the flesh. And the Holy Spirit whispers into Simeon's ear, this is the one you've been waiting for. And Simeon gathered up that little child in his arms. With his weary old eyes, he looked up to heaven and he prayed a prayer that is like a song. Simeon's time of service had come to an end because God had kept his promise. You can hear the peace in his voice because with his own eyes he has seen the Lord's salvation. 
And isn't that interesting that he sees the Lord's salvation long before Christ has been visited by the Magi or been baptized by John or defeated the devil's temptations in the desert or been betrayed, arrested, denied, scourged, crucified, and laid in the tomb. It is as good as done. The waiting was over. This child is a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. He is a light for the Gentiles. And yet, as St. John says in the beginning of his gospel, that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus is born among the Jews, but his own people have been living in darkness for so long that they don't even understand this light that has been born among them. And so the light dawns on the Gentiles. That means for us. And yet he is also the glory of his people Israel. That glory that would be revealed in his serving in his humility, in his lowliness. His greatest glory is revealed in his lowliest humility of being laid first in a manger, but later on laid upon the cross. This tiny child is redemption of Israel and the salvation of the, Gen of the Gentiles. And we still sing Simeon's Christmas song the traditional place for this hymn is at the end of the day. It is kind of like the Christian's now I lay me down to sleep prayer. And that is why we sing this song in two of our services in our new hymnal and the prayer of close the day and at Compline. Personally, I still use Simeon's song as a prayer after communion. It is a fitting prayer in that place too because it is so wonderful and has such deep theology. In a private setting of a living room or the hospital room, the communicant and I have beheld the Lord's salvation with our own eyes. We have looked upon these humble vessels of bread and wine that carry the very body and blood of Christ. I have spoken the words of Christ this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. This is the word made flesh and blood that was born of Mary, laid in a manger, laid upon the cross, and laid into the tomb, raised in glory, and then sits now at God the Father's right hand. This is the Lord's body and blood that we celebrate laid upon our altar every holy day in our church. Many of the saints, even though they do not have this prayer written in front of them, they know this prayer. It's written in their hearts. It comes out in their lips, and they pray it with me. As we lift up our old eyes together, thanking God for the comfort of release and redemption. The wait is over. We can truly depart in peace. And make no mistake, when Simeon says that he can now depart and leave. He's not talking about leaving the temple. He's talking about departing and leaving this world. He's ready to die. And yet I remember when I was a child and the worship services seemed to go on so long, especially the communion services. And when it was time to sing Simeon's song, I prayed really hard, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace. I was ready to go home. This prayer 
means so much more than the time of the service is almost over. It is now saying that, yeah, we can go home. But we get to go out into the world. We get to go out like Simeon and Anna, testifying to Christ. More than that, we are now ready to die in peace, to close our eyes in prayer because our eyes, have, close our eyes in prayer and close our eyes in death because now we have beheld the Lord's salvation with our very own eyes. We have been released from our death sentence and now been given a life sentence. We are free to go. We have worshipped the child in the manger, the man upon the cross, the redeemer in the tomb. We have beheld his glory hidden beneath water and word, hidden beneath bread and wine. With the eyes of faith, we have seen him laid in the manger and laid upon the cross. We, has, we have witnessed him as God in Mary's womb, and also the God-man resurrected from the tomb. We have heard the words of forgiveness, and we have heard the proclamation of the Lord's blessing, and so we can truly depart in peace. Our wait is over. Amen.